0: Welcome to episode 93 of the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast, How Indie Retailers Can Mitigate Supply Chain Issues. I'm your host, Kathy Cruz. So I'm going to dive right in on this one. My intention for this episode is to help you lessen the negative impact and all of the conversations we're hearing around supply chain issues in the retail industry. Every time you see an article or this comes up, do you like cringe a little bit? (laughs) Or do you want to mute the TV? It happened the other day. I think it was NBC News, Evening News, a whole two-minute segment came up about this topic. And I thought, oh, do I really want to watch this or listen to this again? We keep hearing it over and over again. So I'm sure it irritates many of you. I'm sure it feels very heavy for many of you. Sometimes it even feels heavy to me, so I get it you know, one of our group members in the lab, she recently said, the pandemic has been a straight up pivot-a-thon. And it made me chuckle. And yet I sat there and I just shook my head like, yes, yes, that's exactly what the past 18 months, I guess, maybe longer has felt for many of us. So of course, supply chain issues and disruptions, it can affect small businesses in so many ways. You know, it can reduce revenue, it can inflate costs. We've seen many of us have seen this, Um, particularly if you're ordering, if you're going to America's Mart or Dallas or Vegas or any of those big markets and you're ordering from vendors there, we've seen a lot of surcharges. It could even cut into market share. Because oftentimes the bigger companies are going to get the things that we need or we order or we want before we do. Um, I know who I'm speaking to. I know I'm speaking to the small, uh, often micro independent retail store owner. And it doesn't always mean that we're going to get these things first. And then it can cause production issues for so many in our community. So if you're a maker, if you're an artist, and you're buying the supplies to make your own goods to sell, that for sure, the chain, the supply chain issues, it's going to cause a problem for you, it probably already has. However, it's important to know that there are a number of measures that we as small business owners can take to mitigate these supply chain disruptions. And it doesn't matter whether the disruptions are caused by a pandemic or not. It just happens to be the situation now. But supply chain disruptions can happen in other times, too. So those are some of the things that I want to talk about. But first, I want to just kind of cover what does mitigate mean? And it means to make less severe, serious, or painful It doesn't mean I'm going to bring you a complete solution or that I'm resolving the issue. I simply want to offer some ideas to lessen the pain. And we've all experienced the pain. I don't have the perfect fix. I wish I did. And if I did, I would probably be a billionaire. And not all of my suggestions in this episode, not all of them are going to fit every type of retail business model or store owner. But this is an important conversation to have, and on my end, I apologize because I feel like this is overdue. So let's get started. The first thing, of course, is to work on your mindset, always, right? I've heard shopkeepers say things like, this is not sustainable, and I just want to caution any shopkeeper who starts to think this way, It will be helpful to you if you work on your mindset and start to change this type of thinking around. You've all heard me say, especially over the past six months, how important it is to work on our mindset, to work on our thoughts. I know firsthand that changing our thoughts can be hard. I've had to work on it myself, but it really, truly does make a difference. If we thought 2020 was challenging, I think we're all surprised at how challenging 2021 has been, and I have no idea what 2022 is going to bring, but my guess is that that year, this upcoming year, is going to have its own challenges. I guess this could apply to every year, if I think about it as a retailer, right? We never know what the year is going to bring, but 2021 20, and 22, I think are going to be some of our hardest, at least to navigate. I'm not saying it doesn't mean that you can't be successful or you can't grow, but in terms of running the retail business and what happens on the back end, it's been challenging. So number two is to look at your data. In Master Shopkeepers, currently, as I'm recording this podcast episode, I'm hosting a challenge. I'm challenging members to look at their data. Instead of saying, I don't know, I don't know if I overbought or if I underbought, I think I'm getting a ton in, or I don't know what to expect in Q4. I, every time you say that, it, it makes me it makes me concerned a little bit. I want to nudge you to look at your data. So I'm challenging members in that group to take one hour minimum. Or if it's 30 minutes, great. But I'm challenging them to take some time to look at their numbers, to look at their data. And the prize, whoever wins the challenge, it's a $145 candle. Yes, one candle, I think nine ounces. It's $145 retail value. It's a candle line that one of our group members will be carrying. It is for sure luxurious, it's beautiful. And oftentimes, it's something that we would never buy for ourselves. We would never gift ourselves something that gorgeous and luxurious. So I decided we're going to give one away. I thought it would be fun, and I thought it would be fun to pair it with a challenge. So in the challenge, what do I mean by when I say look at your numbers? Well, this can be, you know, I told them this could be your inventory reports from last year and this year. It could be sales reports, again, from last year and this year, or maybe even 2019, because some people are afraid to look at their 2020 numbers and use it as like a concrete base for projecting what what might happen ahead. And then any other data that can help them plan for Q4. I'm hoping that they'll apply this challenge to the future of their business. They'll do the same type of analysis for all of 2022 or for any upcoming season, or at least they can if they want to. Okay, so I'm going to get a little preachy here for a minute, warning you. <laughs> From now on, and I kind of touched on this, I'm going to challenge any shopkeeper who says, I don't know, dot, dot, dot. I want to remind you that this is why you have systems in place. This is why I often talk about systems and why even micro independent retail store owners should have them. This is why you painstakingly, and I say that because it can be a pain, why you painstakingly enter inventory with the cost of items in your inventory, not just a retail price, but why you upgrade to, like let's say for example, Square for Retail, or why you pay for Shopventory, or why you pay for another inventory management system, and you enter in the cost of that item that you purchase that you're going to sell. It's why you have a bookkeeper, why you have a point of sale system. Don't let these tools and resources go to waste. Don't let that boring data entry work the money you spend on delegating, maybe like bookkeeping, go to waste. Use your data. I'm not even saying that you have to use formulas in this type of work. So if you say you're not a numbers person, let's at least make an effort to look at the reports. You don't even have to calculate anything. So many times, Your point of sale system is going to give you a sales report. Your inventory system is going to give you a, a lump amount or a sum for what's in a category, both retail price and the cost of goods in that category. Your bookkeeping, for example, whether you do it yourself or a bookkeeper does it, it's going to give you a report in the form of a profit and loss statement. You don't have to manually calculate all of that. That's why you have systems. So designate one hour to take notes from these reports and then compare, analyze it, think about it, see how much you sold, how much you carried, what's selling and working well and what isn't. Have a conversation with yourself about one category. Is it doing really well? Or maybe have a conversation with yourself about a category that just sucks in your store and why or what you could do differently or do you just need to cut it all out? You know what I mean. We tend to go, go, go and push forward and just do what everyone tells us to do, including me. Like I see so many of you who are like, okay, Kathy says I need to have bookkeeping in place. And Kathy says I need to have an inventory system. But I want you to take it further than that. Yes, for sure, have the systems in place, but don't let the systems go to waste. I want you to take some CE or create some CEO time to look back. And it doesn't mean I want you to look back to live in the past. What I want you to do is to plan for the future. Okay, Kathy, enough preaching, right? (laughs) Moving on to number three. Number three is to change your buying habits. Maybe you're going to order more or less frequently, or maybe you're going to order more and less frequently. So now that you've looked at your data, what can you change? What can you make better? Where do you need to invest more and where do you need to invest less? There was a really good example of a story that uh, a lab member shared. She makes her own products and she buys zippers. And she said that the zippers started to take forever to ship. So she actually had to find a different vendor and order a bulk amount of zippers. Like it was almost scary the investment she was making in zippers alone. It sounds like it ended up paying off, but that's a really good example of considering or changing your buying habits. You might have to change them in different situations. The next one, number four, is to consider pivoting from China. Or it doesn't even have to be China. I don't want to single out China. And before you think I'm being judgy here, I'm not. I sell a mix of items in my store, and a lot of them are manufactured in China. But I think the reason I mentioned China specifically is because there are so many issues with getting those containers into the US right now. I mean, we could, of course, have a conversation about what, but why, but in the end, it's out of our control. So I don't even want to get into that. This is simply a suggestion to start or at least explore the idea of finding products that are made in other countries that it may be easier to get them here or get them to your store. And then, of course, maybe considering buying or purchasing from manufacturers in the U.S. Then you don't have to worry about getting containers across the ocean to our ports, where the logistics of of supply chain issues may not affect your business quite like Again, the 80 ships right now that I saw in the news story that are holding thousands and thousands of containers and can't unload because of a variety of reasons, again. Some that include employment problems. I recently had a customer in my own store who talked about her handmade business and how she traveled with a friend to Mexico and her handmade business actually supports artists and makers in a particular community in Mexico. Now, I'm not saying that we can or we should travel to other countries to find communities that can make the products that we want to sell in our stores, but just you could consider thinking outside of the box, I guess, is where I'm going with this. Consider what else can you do? Who else can you reach out to? Who else can you buy from? So I'll also kind of talk about this a little bit more in in number six, but let me go to number five first, and that's to evaluate your existing suppliers. So start calling seasonal vendors in particular so that you can get ahead of any, any issues with getting shipments. If there are vendors you order from only during the holidays, call them now. Actually, you probably should have called them a month or two ago and have a conversation with them so you can be prepared. Most suppliers will want to keep your business as long as possible, of course, right? Even if short term issues arise with their deliveries. So begin by communicating with those suppliers to understand what the delays will be, what are your options, and what are the true lead times for your shipments or supplies. Communicate with these vendors and suppliers so you can get a clear sense of their inventory, the production, whatever the status is of the entire process, and then what you can expect as a store owner and where and how they'll deliver. So active communication, of course, is really important. You know, you should expect that there will be some delays, but know when to begin seeking new sources or workarounds. And I really think for many of us that probably started to happen months ago. What I don't want you to do is to avoid making the phone calls because you don't want to hear the bad news. Let's just face it and deal with it, right? And then number six is to identify backup suppliers and vendors. So relying on a single supplier can be a downfall for lots of small businesses. You want to identify potential backup suppliers and vendors, like the example I gave earlier with the zippers. She was able to find an alternative, someone else to order from, and then she ordered in bulk. While relationships with existing suppliers are important and should be turned to first, they aren't the only option. And I know, (laughs) trust me, I know this isn't always an easy process. Like sometimes it's hard for us just to find one vendor or manufacturer that makes what we want to sell, let alone finding an alternative. But sometimes it's our stubbornness that keeps us from finding alternative vendors. We might love a particular vendor's products, and we just might not want to put the effort into finding someone else. But this is me nudging you that it's in the best interest of your business to do this. While I'm a fan of relationships, I think we can become too dependent on some of our vendors. And then number seven, of course, is to buy handmade and or local. Of course, this one is my favorite. We have many of the brick and mortar store owners who buy from the makers in our lab group. And it's a beautiful thing to see. I actually really love seeing when the, retail, the brick and mortar retailers order from those other group members. And sometimes the, their products sell really well and they end up placing lots of reorders. I also understand that doing this doesn't necessarily work for all business models. So for instance, you know, of course, if you're, if you're a furniture store, you can't turn to a local handmade business to make furniture for you. I completely get it. For instance, we partner with a local woodworker for some of our own popular selling items like blanket ladders, stools, growth charts in our baby boutique. But recently, with the cost of lumber, it's become prohibitive, like cost prohibitive, to bring his items into the store right now. Now, we're hopeful this will change in the future because we'd much rather support his small business than some of the big brands we work with. But right now, it's just not working out. So I completely understand that this can be challenging for some business model types. One great resource, of course, to buy handmade or maybe even local is to go to the wholesale platforms that have popped up over the past few years and have become really popular. So for example, Tundra. They sponsored this year's Savvy Shopkeeper Retreat, and they're currently offering a really good deal on orders in the month of October. Yes, I think it's in the entire month of October that they're doing this. So essentially, if you place an order for up to $150, you can get up to $150 free, Yes, in free products from a new brand on Tundra that you order from. Now, if you've never ordered on Tundra and all brands are new to you, it still applies. Spend $150 with one brand and get up to $150 for free with another brand. So I want to make sure that I mention this because oftentimes or when I think back to when my sister and I first started buying, we didn't have this resource. We didn't have this option And with this kind of deal, you can get up to $2,000 in free products. You can place orders with multiple vendors, not just one deal of buy $150, get $150 free. You can do this for up to $2,000. So if you don't have an account on Tundra or you haven't learned about Tundra, you can visit SavvyShopKeeper.com forward slash Tundra, and you'll get my referral link to sign up for an account. So, it's important to mention this again because if we want to buy more handmade, now, not everyone on Tundra or the other wholesale platforms, not everyone is a handmade artist, but you can just filter and search based off of those parameters. It's a good option. It's a good place for us to go to to find products to fill up our stores if we're having a hard time getting all of our inventory in or all of our orders in, all of our shipments in. So again, SavvyShopkeeper.com forward slash Tundra, that's T is in Tom, U-N-D-R-A. You'll sign up for an account. And there is no special code needed for the offer in October. And I want to say it's October of 2021. So if somebody listens to this podcast episode in 2022, the deal is passed. But if, if you're listening to this in October of 2021, you can take advantage of this deal. Okay, and then number eight is to keep your spirits and energy up. From everything I'm seeing and hearing, 2022 isn't necessarily going to get any better with chain supply issues or easier. So continue being creative, continue being resourceful, and do all the things that we as retailers tend to do anyhow. Maybe even try to have fun with this. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to have fun with it, or you don't want, if you don't enjoy the, the process of finding different vendors or alternative options for your store, and you have team members, you can lean on some of them. Some of them actually enjoy doing the research, and some of them enjoy the process of finding new vendors. So maybe you can delegate that work to someone else. Although I do feel like, Based on everyone in the lab and master shopkeepers, I do feel like most of us enjoy the buying process, but not everyone does. And I think the last one I have on my list, number nine, is don't panic buy. The last thing that I wanted to mention is to caution you around panic buying. I don't want any retailer drowning in merchandise because of fear. I also completely understand how many of us are dealing with half-shipped orders and an alarming amount of back orders. And juggling this kind of paperwork can be frustrating. If this is you, designate some time, again, designate some time to sit down and go back into all of your orders from market and make the calls necessary. Yep, this is going to mean probably multiple phone calls, especially if you're dealing with a lot of inventory that comes in throughout the year. So you're going to want to call some of the vendors and you're going to want to cancel some of the seasonal stuff that never came in. Because if you don't cancel those orders, you might get Easter like we did <laughs> in October. <laughs> Luckily, the east the couple of Easter items that we got, they'll sell fine next year. I'm not worried about it. Go go back into your orders and take a look and figure out what do you need to cancel? What isn't arriving that you were counting on, find the alternative vendors, go to Tundra to start buying, do what it is that you need to do. Another suggestion is to leave them possibly open because we don't know what to expect in 2022. So although my sister and I aren't going back and we're not canceling a ton of orders, we are probably going to cancel a couple but I'd rather just let it all come in so that I have it for next year. So my big point here is that we can either avoid it and avoid looking at all those orders and figuring out what we need to do, or we can fix it. But don't panic by. Make sure you're looking at what you have in your systems and maybe considering whether you need to order more or whether you need to slow down in ordering. It's your data that will tell you or will help at least to tell you. Okay, so this episode is longer than I thought it would be, so I just want to wrap it up. The last thing that I want to say is that whenever any group member or even one-on-one clients that I work with, whenever they mention the struggles that they have around people who come into their store and comment either about their product lines as they're walking around or they're very vocal about commenting about how they want to carry the same thing or something similar in their store that they plan on opening. Yes, this happens. I hear about it all the time. Or when members mention that other starting small business owners copy them copy exactly what they're doing, I tend to chuckle because newbies have no idea what they're in for. (laughs) They have no idea, right? Most people, when you think about it, our family, our friends, starting business owners, or those even dreaming about running a retail business, they have no idea how challenging this can be at times, how challenging it can be to run a retail store especially the last 18 months, am I right? So I think, go ahead. (laughs) If that person comes into your store and they start commenting and they make you uncomfortable and you think like, why are they talking about running their own store and talking about my brands in my store? Why are they doing that in my store and out loud? I think, go ahead, go ahead and try it because most people can't do what we do, let alone do it successfully right I can hear some of you in the back saying preach Kathy <laughs> or someone in master shopkeepers recently said say it louder so the people in the back can hear you all that to say keep your chins up please keep your chins up keep your mind set up keep the optimism up and for those of you that are rocking the pivot-a-thon I see you you're incredible you're badasses keep doing your thing Until the next episode, be savvy and boss up.